Proverbs 20, verse number 7 is where we're at. Here's what the verse says. The just man walketh in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. One more time. The just man walketh in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. Let's pray, and then we'll look into this verse for a few moments. Lord, we thank you to be able to come into your house one more time. We thank you for uh, Father's Day, a day that we can celebrate uh, fatherhood, the lives of children and families. We thank you for that. As we look into this passage, may we understand the role of the Father. In Jesus' name, amen. I remember when I first heard the news that my son Mason was going to be born, it took me by surprise. And we were trying to have children. And even though you're trying to have, you're still surprised when you find out. I mean, it's, I'm expecting, you know, Heather is expecting in the next couple weeks, maybe today, I don't know. She could have a, we could have a baby soon. And we're expecting that, but it can catch us by surprise when we finally hear the news. And I remember it was a, I believe it was a Tuesday morning. She was getting ready. She was still teaching at the school in the fifth and sixth grade. And it was my day off. And so she had a lot of time to think the rest of the day, you know, (laughs) and she told me right before she left for school, and I remember walking her down to the car, and I walked back up the steps leading to our little apartment condo there, and I remember as I'm walking up the steps, and I feel the weight and the responsibility, and thoughts begin to run through my mind, and, and for a few moments, I begin to reevaluate my life, and I think about the choices and the decisions that I'm making. And I'm thinking, man, am I living the exact way that I want to be living when my son is born? I'm, I'm going to be setting an example. I'm going to be a role model. I have got to step up. And there were some things that I had to, had to tune up because they weren't up to the standard in, the, in this fatherhood, this idea of fatherhood. It, it really made me think about the choices and the decisions that I was making. And of course, as time goes on and it progressed more. And today I'm wearing this tie here. This is my first Father's Day present that I ever received. And this was before Mason was actually even born. So he was born, his birthday's next month. So about a month before he was born, Miss Lillian Sakura. She's a good gift giver. She gave me this tie and I I can never get rid of it now. I got to keep forever because it's the first Father's Day present. And when, when I got that, again, boom, a weight came over me, that a weight of responsibility. It's amazing, absolutely amazing. And then, of course, when Mason was born, I remember before, before the birth, a few weeks, Dr. Crabb was telling me about the joy and the, the gladness that happens when, when you finally hold that baby in your arms and, you know, you would, you would do anything for that child. You would give your life in an instant for that child without even hesitating. You don't even know him, but you would do it without hesitation. And I couldn't even fathom that. I couldn't even understand that. And I told him, I said, that's just uncomprehendable for me to even think about. And when the birth happened, Mason's born and that whole nine months feeling somewhat detached from it. As soon as he was placed in my arms, I cried. Okay, I do have a soft side. I cried, and the overwhelming joy in in the love that comes over that a father has when a child is born is unexplainable. 
unexplainable. And in that moment, many, many fathers, they make a decision that they are going to live their lives a different way or to continue living their lives a certain way because they have a responsibility as a father now to take care of this child. I know I had that recollection, and many men do. They see the two lines on the pregnancy stick when the wife comes in and shows them, and after they pass out and they wake up, they get to think about how they can make all of their life changes and their life decisions, and many of them choose at that moment that they're not just going to be the average father, that they're not just going to be a mediocre father, but they're going to be an exceptional. They're going to be the standard. They're going to be a model father to their children. And time progresses on, and the birth happens, and they have maybe the same type of experience that I went through where it was, it was, it was amazing. And they still hold to that choice. The baby comes home, and they begin to help the wife taking care of the baby, maybe even change a few stinky diapers every now and then. They try to do that best we can. And just, I'm going to be the best dad I can possibly be. But as time goes on and the busyness of life goes on and schedules come up and distractions take place and the propaganda that's getting pushed out there in the secular world about the downplay of the father, the seriousness of the role of being a dad becomes something on the back burner. Something that they don't have the same zeal when they found out that their spouse was pregnant or the same zeal and excitement to live the right way when they were holding that little child in their arms. The excitement was over, and their decisions, instead of trying to be the model father, they settle for being a mediocre dad because, hey, we live in a day where we've just got a bunch of mediocre dads. The role of the father is extremely important. It is extremely important. I've got some things I want to show you here some examples and a difference a father makes in a home. We understand and we think in our mind, we, we can comprehend to some extent, yes, it makes a difference, but how much of a difference does it actually make? The world would be a totally different place if fathers stepped up to the plate. It would be totally different. Here's some statistics for you. This is from the Texas Department of Corrections. 85% of youth who are currently in prison, grew up in a fatherless home. 85%. Seven out of every 10 youth that are housed in state-operated correctional facilities come from a fatherless home. Seven out of 10. That's from the U.S. Department of Justice. 39% of students in the United States do not have a father in the home. What's that going to look like 10 years from now? Children without a father are four times more likely to be living in poverty than children with a father. Children from fatherless homes are twice as likely to drop out from school before graduating than children who have a father in their lives. 24.7 million children in the United States live in a home where their biological father is not present. That equates to one in every three children in the United States do not have access to their dad. Children who live in a single-parent home are two times more likely to commit suicide than children in a two-parent home. 72% of Americans believe that fatherless home is the most significant social problem and family problem that is facing our country. Amen. Amen. Besides the gospel, that's it. And the gospel will solve all these problems. 
Only 68% of children will spend their entire childhood with an intact family. 75% of rapists come from fatherless homes. 75% of adolescent patients that are being treated for substance abuse, substance abuse like alcohol and drugs at an early age before the age of 18, 75% of those are from fatherless homes. 90% of the youth in the United States who decide to run away from home or become homeless for any reason originally are come from a fatherless home. Does being a dad make a difference? Absolutely. Just being in the home makes a difference. And let me just say this. The goal is not just that your, your kid doesn't end up in prison. That is not the goal. The goal is not this, oh, he doesn't end up to be a rapist or, or a murderer or he doesn't end up hooked up on drugs. That's not the goal. That's just things that are given. I want more for my children, my two boys and my girl who will be here in a few weeks. I want more for them than that. I want them to love God. I want them to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I want them to be exemplary citizens and students. I want to be an upstanding citizen in society. I want them to be a good neighbor who cares about the people who live next to them. I want them to be the model citizen. But even just staying in the home, you see the results that come from that. Why is it important that fathers assume their role as leaders in their home? Well, first, I think we got to note that it was ordained by God. It is ordained by God. That's a good place to start. The role of the father is ordained by God to be in the lives of their children. Proverbs 27, our verse again, it says, The just man walketh in his integrity, his children are blessed after him. The verse, it automatically assumes that there is a role of authority. It's a given. It's asserted right there in the verse just by stating it. God is the author of all authority. I'll explain that in a minute. God is the author of all authority. Romans 13, 1, we know this verse. It says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. Here's the part. The powers that be are ordained of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. That means the people who are put in certain uh, positions of leadership are put there by God. He ordained it to happen. Now, generally, when we look at this verse, our minds automatically go, and they already get fine-tuned into the government. That's where we always want to go, because that verse generally gets used a lot to talk about the government. And that is true, and yes, I believe God ordained the president that is in the United States. I, I believe the man who's in the White House right now is ordained by God to be there. He allowed it to happen. I believe the people that are in, in the Senate, that are in Congress, that are our governors, thank God for our governor. They are there by God for a reason. He allowed it to happen. Now you say, well, no, I mean, that's not no. Some people say, no, well, I, we voted for him. We voted for him. So how did God have a part in that? God allowed them to get to the place where they're at. God allowed them to move up the chain to be able to be where they are. Do, do you understand that 30 seconds of a heart not beating can change who's in the Oval Office? Do you think that God has no say in what goes on in any of that. He absolutely does. One car accident can change who is the vice president. That's how quickly it can happen. God's in control. One natural disaster can wipe out a whole lot of people and can 
totally reverse many things that are happening. God is way more in control of what goes on in this life than what we think. Yes, God has given us free will to choose, and we cast our votes to who should be there. However, he allows that person to even get to that position and actually stay in that position. So it is ordained by God. So when you look at who is the leadership in our country, you can mark it down that God allowed them to be there and ordained for them to be in that position. But I'm not here really to focus on the government side with those same thoughts about God ordaining it. We have other offices of authority, biblical authority. We have the church, of course, and we have pastors. We have deacons. In our church, we have trustees who have some leadership as well, and those are ordained by God as well. And in business, we have employer-to-employee relationships, and God ordained that. But the one I want to focus on this morning is the Father, the Father. Just as God ordained all those other places of authority, he has ordained fathers as well. Ephesians 5, 23 through 24 says, for the husband, you can turn there if you want. I will read a few verses. I'll give you a moment to turn there. Ephesians 5, 23, we'll read a couple verses. A very familiar verse as well, talking about the leadership that is in the home, not just for the children, but also between a husband and a wife. Ephesians 5, starting in verse number 23, it says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. 24, Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. It says clearly, the husband is the head of the wife. Jump down to chapter 6. And we're starting verse number one, and it has the authority over the children. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. God has chosen the fathers and the husbands to be leader over the home. It goes father, it goes Wife, it goes children. The children are responsible to obey and, and, uh, and allow God's authority that he has given to those two people to be established. Uh, but he has given the authority of the role of the home to the man. Not to say that a, a wife is less important because women are not less important. We're not talking about value. We're talking about role. All we're talking about is position. God said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He did not say, I am the God of Sarah, of Rebecca, and of Rachel. God has put men in positions of leadership for a reason, and it is ordained of God. He chose that from the beginning, and men are the heads. It's sad that the, that the, fa- the role of the father is being so downplayed in our society, you can't even turn on a TV without seeing some TV program, about every TV program that's out there that has, that has a family on there, and there's a dad who's one of the, the main characters on there, it's hard to find any show where they don't treat the dad like an idiot. He doesn't look like an idiot. He doesn't act like an idiot. He doesn't even know what state he is in. I mean, you got, it, it's like, um, it's like all, all the dads out there, they make them seem like they're Homer Simpson. And that the mom is the one who's trying to keep it all together and the kids are the ones that actually are smart. What's that teaching young people today? What's that teaching, I mean, coming in hours and hours and hours over your eyes 
what's that teaching young people? What's that teaching, what's that teaching wives? Oh, that I'm the one that's got to hold things together. What's that teaching dads? My job isn't really that important. I can just be the average dad out there and not have to worry about anything and not take any responsibility, and I can just blow it off because I'm dad. What about the dads like in Leave it to Beaver? What about those? What about those TV shows? What about Andy Griffith? What about Andy Griffith? What about the old show, The Rifleman? Back when they used to promote fatherhood and where kids actually looked up to their father, they were the heroes. They were the people when they got in trouble, who did they turn to? They turned to their fathers because their fathers had wisdom. They were in that place of authority. They had integrity. They were people who could be trusted. But we are being brainwashed, brainwashed every day because society wants to downplay the role of the man and it exalts the role of the female to a place where God never intended the female to be at. Again, we are not referring to value. We are just talking about role and positions. And mothers are needed, but fathers are needed to fulfill their roles. The dad ought to be the one keeping the thing together. Shame on you husbands. If, you, if your wife is the one who drags the family to church, God forbid, God forbid. Shame on you. I'll say shame on me because it catches me in the home sometimes where, where Heather will initiate some spiritual thought to our, to our children. When I'm preparing this, I had to wake up, say, man, I need to step up to the plate here. Shame on, shame on us if, if our wife or our children are the ones who say, Dad, we need to pray before we eat as you're, you're scarfing it down. Come on now. Come on now. Men ought to be the spiritual leader of the home. They ought to be the one controlling and putting, putting the thing together that it honors God. God ordained and God had that a, that a man and a woman would raise children. And I understand that that is not always the case of what happens. It's not always the way it works out. Sometimes there's deadbeat dads who split out and a mom has to raise a child on their own. That's nothing for you to feel bad about and for you to suck your thumb about and complain about that God dealt you a bad, God dealt you a bad hand. He didn't. He gave you exactly what, he knows exactly what you're going through. He can help you through it 100%. I'm not trying to discredit single moms either who are trying to do the best they can to raise children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord because there's no dad around. Sometimes a a dad dies and passes away. Sometimes a dad's overseas fighting wars and mom has to hold it up. But the best way that God has it is that a man and a woman raise children in the Lord, that it happens together. If you're a single mom, I I, I encourage you if there's no dad in the picture, no father figure in the picture, get around, get your child around some spiritual men who can help them. Get them around maybe some family members who have a good head on their shoulders. It makes a difference. It makes a difference. Some of, some of you in this room, you maybe didn't have a good father. Maybe you didn't even have a father in the picture. And you're upset at God. You're mad at God because God never gave you the, the parents that you deserve that you thought you deserved. But God knows exactly what you're going through. He ordained those parents to be your parents. You were born into your family with your last name for a reason. Just yesterday, we were at the 
uh, Jarvis, Jarvis and Peggy's house. And they have a little pool there, and they got a, a wonderful home, and we were there for a little cookout. And, and my boys, they were swimming over in the pool. And, of course, as a few hours went on, we had to leave. And you know when kids have to leave the playground, the park, the pool. You know how that goes. And I was getting, I was getting Mason, and I was saying, okay, you got to come out and, and dry off, and we're going to change your clothes. We're going to leave. And he says, Dad, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I said, yeah, son, you, you have to go. He says, I want to stay here forever. That's what he said. I want to stay here forever. And I said, there it goes. He's already wanting other parents besides me. <laughs> and as kids, that's what happens. You're, you go over to your friend's house, and they've got the cool stuff, and they've got the cool parents. But really, if you got the parents that, that you wanted, you wouldn't be happy with them. You wouldn't be satisfied with them. But it's, it's human nature to, to want what we don't have and think that the grass is always greener. But God had you under the authority of your parents for a specific reason. And may you try to see how God can use that in your life, maybe even to possibly help other people as well. We've seen in our over the last few minutes that there's some sociological results that happen from fathers not being in the home and of course, there's also, we have the authority that God has given man, men to be the leader of their home and over their children as well. But I want to look at the verse again, and we're going to pull out another point here. And it says, and again, our theme verse, Proverbs 27, the just man walketh in his integrity. The just man walketh in his integrity. So we've noticed the authority that comes from God, the authority of the Father. Secondly, I want to notice the integrity of the Father. Definition of integrity is the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles and uprightness. Today, it's almost surprising when people are honest. It's almost surprising when people do the right thing. Go out, go out on the street and drop 20 bucks while people are watching. You probably ain't going to get the 20 bucks back. You guys are going to take it and hit the road. Go on YouTube, watch a bunch of videos. They got tons of these social experiments where generally there are not people out there who have integrity. They don't have it. Everybody's looking out for themselves. Sadly, in the home, many men don't have integrity. Many men can't even keep one promise till death do us part. Those are strong words, but it's true. I don't know your circumstance. I don't know what you went through. But I know the Bible says for husbands to love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Love, love covers a multitude of sins. As Pastor Bill often says, if somebody would be a good Christian, the thing would work. That's often true. That's often true. Integrity is a key part of being a godly father, and it is a necessity. Have you ever thought about this, that it takes one time for you to steal to be called a thief? You know, it takes one time of you telling a big fat lie for you to be considered a liar that it takes one time for you to take somebody's life for you to be considered a murderer. But it's not that way when we assume these good character qualities and integrity. It's not that way. You have integrity one time, nobody's, <laughs> they may say good job, but that's about it. The idea of integrity, it has the word here, a just man walketh in his integrity. It's a continual action because if you're going to be a man of of integrity, you are going to have to continually do it day in and day out. And I understand where you're going to fall. We're going to make mistakes. I hate saying mistakes. We're going to sin. We're going to sin. 
we're going to sin. We're going to fall down. The Bible says a just man falls down seven times and rises up again. That's part about being a man is you mess up, you own it. You call it for what it is. It's a sin. It's against God, but I'm going to do better. You get back up. David, I consider David a just man. David, he was an adulterer. That doesn't sound too good. David, he was a murderer. He tried to cover up his actions. Those weren't good things. I'll tell you this, but he got back up. He got back up. If you've fallen down, if you're a father, if you're a husband, you fall, get back up. Continue to get back up. Be a man of integrity. It's a private decision. It's something that happens in private. I think of Daniel. He purposed in his heart that he was not going to defile himself with the king's meat. He purposed. It was a private decision. Also, when he was faced later on, when, when uh, the leaders were trying to come up with laws to trip up uh, Daniel, he also prayed in private when he was supposed to. It wasn't some public decoration that he just put on a show for when people were looking. It was something, it was a private decision. He was a man of integrity. Joseph, he was also a man of integrity. When Potiphar's wife tried to make a move on him, he ran, even though nobody maybe would have found out. How much would Joseph have missed out on if he gave into that little bit of temptation? Thank God he was a man of integrity, and he ended up saving his whole family line because of his faithfulness. Not only is it a private decision, but it also has public results. Public results. Daniel, he was promoted to second in command. I mean, Daniel, he was promoted to the top three, I should say, top three. The people, they said, they said um, the men who were trying to trip him up, then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against Daniel except we find it against him concerning the law of God. They couldn't throw money by him. They couldn't bribe him. They couldn't bring a woman by. The only thing that they could get him on was his faith. And he didn't even go against his own God in the whole thing. He was a man of integrity, got promoted to the top three in the entire country. Joseph moved up to second in command. The quote here says, you will not be a good father until you are a good man. You will not be a good father until you are a good man. It takes integrity. Children are watching. And just as being a man of integrity is not just for you and for your reputation, it is for your children and for your home. Our verse, once again, as we look at our third point, it says, the just man walketh in his integrity. And the last section we'll focus on is, his children are blessed after him. His children are blessed after him. We've seen the authority of the Father. We've seen the integrity of the Father. And lastly, thirdly, the blessings from the Father. Parents often write wills, and I encourage you to do so. I need to get mine. I've been waiting too long in case something happens to Heather and I that I can put in writing exactly uh, what my will is to happen to my kids who will go to. Probably my brother-in-law, just giving you a heads up if you're watching. Three kids coming your way in case something happens. You heard it here. You heard it here. We leave a will and with finances and with material possessions, and those things are all true. But there's also things that we leave our children that aren't just physical. Of course, when they're born, they often take on our traits. Mason has Heather's eyes. Heather has brown eyes, and Mason, he has brown eyes. Owen, his eyes are kind of hazily blue, kind of like mine are. We take on some traits, both of them. They took on my good looks. Thankful for that. Sometimes children, they take on athletic abilities. 
and dads who are very athletic, who can run very fast or jump very high, maybe dunk a basketball, the, the children take over those some, some of those genetic traits. Even, we would say, emotionally. Sometimes children possess some of the same emotions that, that fathers and mothers have. I don't know how all that works, but we see it in our lives. It's exactly true. But there's also things that we can pass on to kids that are good things, absolutely. We can pass on some good things, which we'll talk about. But sadly, there's evil things that we can pass along as well. Laziness, discontentment, you name it. Some evil things. But let's focus, let's focus on the blessings. By the way, I'm going to pause just for a moment. Time out. I do not believe and I do not swallow circumstantial psychology hook, line, and sinker. That your, your environments define who you are. That's not, look in the Old Testament. Look at Hezekiah. He was a good king. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. His son didn't do good. His son didn't do good. The son after him, Amnon, didn't do good. Josiah, eight years old, he chose that he was going to do what was right. Your circumstances don't define how you're going to come up. You define how you're going to come out. But there is some influence that happens because of situations that come in our life but we ultimately get the responsibility to make the decision to do right. But there are some blessings that can be carried down to children from their fathers. First, they can leave an example. More is caught than taught. You ever heard that? More is caught than taught. I'm not sure what kind of learner you are. I am a learner that wants to see it happen, and I can duplicate it. I don't really want to read about it in a textbook. If I got to choose between reading how to fix my car or watching a video of some guy fixing the car, I'm watching the video every time. It's easier for me. It's more, more is caught than taught. And it's true with our children. There's no consistency really in life anymore. Family meals. How about this, like praying for food only when guests are in town and guests come over. I've seen that happen. Praying only when they come up. Only being spiritual when you're at church. And you leave church on Sunday and you're different throughout the rest of the week. You think kids don't get that? You think kids don't understand what's going on? That you can play both sides and it's not going to affect them? Absolutely not. Another phrase is what you do, what you do, um, man, I just slipped my mind. I feel like Pastor Bill. Um, <laughs> what you do, moderation, that's it. Thanks for helping me out. What you do in moderation, your kids are going to do in excess. It's totally, totally true. Children need to see real Christians on a day-to-day basis. They need to see real Christians when you're at your best. They need to see a real Christian, a real father in the home when you're at your worst. I think about the children of Israel as they were, the children of Israel as they were coming uh, over to the land of Canaan and how, of course, they sinned against God and they had to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. During that time, there was definitely children who were being born and who were born in the wilderness. The wilderness was the only life that they had ever known. The children of Israel, by the way, didn't do real good while they were in there. They were murmuring. They were complaining. They didn't have hardly a good thing to say about Moses or about God. Oh, yes, they were God's people. Absolutely. But those children that were growing up in there, they never got to see, they never got to see the Red Sea parted. They never got to see Moses cast down his staff and turn into a serpent. They never got to see the 10 plagues wipe over Egypt, but not harm the children of Israel. They never got to see that. The only life that they've experienced was the moderate, average, mundane, complaining Christian life that many young people face in the home today. 
They never experienced the spirit-filled living, which was a rep- representation of what the land of Canaan was supposed to be. Wow, a place flowing with milk and honey, grapes, so long, so big. It's, it's a, an example of a spirit-filled life. They never got to experience that. We wonder why kids are falling off the deep end, while, while, why our kids are not being faithful anymore. They've left the faith. Part of it possibly comes because we have not given them a good example to live by. And all they've seen was this average mundane Christian life. They've never had a mom or dad in the home who's been spirit-filled, who's been living right when people are watching and when people are not. And your kids are picking up on it. And my kids pick up on it as well. Kids often say, even if they've left the faith, I've heard it from time to time, talking to folks and visiting, they'll say, I know I'm not doing right, but I know my mom and dad were the real deal. I know my mom and dad, they were the real deal. They, they had it right. They're doing right. Proverbs is a book of principles. I, I, I believe in train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he'll not depart from it. That's a principle. That, that's one of those where it's like uh, if you play out in traffic, you're going to get hit by a car. doesn't mean every time you do it, it's going to happen. And it's not a promise that if you do right that your kids are going to turn out right because we got fathers in here who have done right by their children, but some of their children have chosen not to follow after Christ. And that happens. But we are to do everything we can to set that example for them, give them every tool they need to possibly succeed. Not only do we, does it leave an example, a blessing, but it also it leaves a good reputation, a good reputation. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. When I worked in high school, when I lived back in Little Rock, I used to work, I sold produce on the sides of the road. Many of you knew that, I've told you that before. And the company, the guy that I worked for, he had about seven different locations where we did that. And when people would come up and I would say, and, uh, and I would say, uh, they'd say, who are you, who are you with? Who are you with? I mean, they know a 16, 17-year-old kid isn't doing this by himself. And I say, I'm with Glenn Reynolds. The name, okay, I'm on it. Let's get some stuff. I'll do business with you. I'll trade with you. It was his name. That man had 12 kids, and the 12 kids did all those different jobs as well. And they were blessed because of the reputation of their father. And if we live right with integrity, we can leave our children with the same blessing that your family name is going to be a good name, something to be, uh, to be left in the community. And lastly, at le- we, leave, we leave prayers and spiritual truth. How many children have been blessed by the prayers of mom and dad behind the scenes, in the middle of the night, when their kids are out there rebel rousing around, doing, doing a bunch of evil, doing a bunch of wrong, but mom and dad are at home praying. It's blessing the children and they don't even know it. They're living, shaking their fists at God with the way they're living, but God possibly is even keeping them safe and has a hand of protection over them because of the prayers of mom and dad for all these years. You can bless your kids by praying for them, but also giving them spiritual truth. From time to time, I have parents who come and, and come to our school, and they, they say to me, uh, you know, one parent came in, they were upset that they went to a church one time. They don't normally go to church ever. They happen to go to church one time and they were passing the communion plate, and the, kid didn't, the kids didn't know how to take communion. They were from our school, and so he comes in, and he was upset that we didn't teach the kid, kids how to take communion and what it was all about and what it represented. Now, in our program, 
throughout our schooling, we do, it does get talked about, and we do teach the kids about that, but it hadn't come up yet, and the kids didn't know. But he was upset and holding us responsible that we were not training his kids in the Christian faith like we were supposed to. And I had to give him a little tune-up real quick that it was his responsibility to raise his kids. His kids didn't know about communion because they ain't never been in church. His kids didn't know about communion because he never opened the Bible with them at night. It is the man's responsibility as the leader of the home to make sure spiritual truth is imparted to their kids, which leads to blessings in their life because of it. It's not the church's responsibility. You don't bring kids and drop them off at church and they're going to fix it. You don't drop them off at the school. It's not the bus captains, the Sunday school teachers. It's not the neighbors or grandma, grandpa. It is your responsibility and it is my responsibility to raise my kids in the spiritual truth that God has given. No ifs, ands, or buts. And we, as a school, we partner with parents. What we do is we take their hand, we take the kid's hand, we put it together to accomplish the same goal. But ultimately, it is the responsibility of the parent. And we leave spiritual truth. As we finish up, we're out of time. As we finish up, we've seen that we can fulfill the God-given role of fatherhood. Be a leader. We can develop integrity or keep integrity that we already have. And we can leave a legacy and we can leave blessings to our children. Now more than ever in America, we need Christian fathers. We don't just need a father taking up space in a home. We need Christian fathers with Christian principles that are changing the lives of their children. If we want to see the nation turn around, dads need to step up. If you're here today and you said, well, I've messed up. I'm 65, 75 years old. I'm 50 years old. You name it. And I've not done right by my kids. I was a I was a no good dad. Maybe I was a deadbeat dad. Maybe I just didn't do right by my children, by my family. You can be a good dad today. You can be a good dad today. You say, well, my kids, they won't even pick up the phone when I call them. At least they know you called. Come on, write them a letter. Send it in the mail. Maybe they won't ever read it. Make a decision between you and God. Repent of that life that you did before and determine today that you're going to live different. And having repentance is understanding that if you could make the same choice again, that you wouldn't make it. You would choose the right thing. And you know what? Even if your kids don't want anything to do with that, between you and God, you know it. If your kids, they don't want to forgive, hey, that's, that's on them. That's not you. But make today a day where fathers as a whole, we put our hearts together and ask God to help us to assume our authority as leaders in the home, to have integrity so that we can leave blessings to our children. Let's pray, and we'll have a few moments of invitation. Lord, we thank you for this passage. We thank you for this insight from Solomon on the father. And being a father is not an easy thing. It's not something that, uh, being a good father is not something that just happens by accident. It's It's a choice that must be made day in and day out a decision that's consecrated to you. May we not take our positions or our roles as fathers and even mothers in here lightly, but we, may we understand the responsibility that God has given us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida, Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.